You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders, for that moment in your career when the book stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. Welcome to a new episode of the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, James Nagel, and my guest today is Edna Otieno. Edna is the HR Director for Diageo in Great Britain, the first Kenyan appointed to the role. When her role was announced, LinkedIn nearly collapsed with the volume of congratulatory messages, so I was intrigued. Edna started with Diageo as a graduate trainee in 2003, then left for a few years to Airtel and Wrigley's. Most recently, she was the HR Director at East African Breweries, a key market for Diageo. On top of the day-to-day job, her career focuses so far have been on creating strong succession pipelines, implementing parental leave, which she did ahead of Diageo globally, and ensuring diversity through parity hiring. And she's proud that her promotion epitomizes Diageo's culture. So welcome, Edna. Thank you very much, James. Really happy to have been introduced to you by Graham Villeneuve-Stutil, my former marketing director at East African Breweries. So, look, I was curious to have you on because you're you're not just a leader in transition, but you're a HR leader in transition. You've done five or six months in the in the role now, and you've been busy. But if you just step back a second, what is it that needs to be done in the, in the role? Um, the HR director GB is. A typical HRD role in the first instant in that, of course, you have to run your people agenda and ensure that it is congruent with uh, the business agenda and it is in support of the strategy of the business. So that's the most important thing I need to do um, in my role. However, of course, every business and every market and every um, context is different. So specifically in the GB market is that the most important thing is that the GB business in Diageo sits in the head office and, and, and is part and parcel of kind of like your head office. So there are a lot of responsibilities in the role that um, are about driving the GB business, but also are very connected to driving um, some of the global agenda items that we need to run. So it's a fascinating role. It's one that is stretching in many ways. Um, it's a commercial role as well. It's part of a, a leadership team role as well. So um, fun, interesting, complicated HR role, but then in a very interesting context. You describe what you've come into as a sort of a turnaround or are you taking on something which is just you know, continuing the success or is it a realignment in terms of the stars model? How would you describe it? There's some level of sustaining success that's involved in uh, the role currently, but also accelerating um, the outcomes that we really want. So we see a big opportunity for us in the business in the next few years to really grow our business. So whilst we've been successful as a business and we've really been able to implement our strategy, we also see quite a bit of growth ahead for us. So being able to really accelerate growth is the way I would describe the season that we are in as a business. 
Um, and because of that, being able to ask ourselves, what does that mean? And what is the HR context in that is asking ourselves, what is the structures that we need for that acceleration? Who are the people we need? What is the kind of talent that we will need in this phase that we are going into? And, you know, when you come from being successful and you want to kind of change gears and you want to accelerate that because you see new opportunities for growth, it means acting quickly on the insights. And I think for me, from a HR perspective, it's been about looking at our structures, our org design, how are they supportive of the business intent. It's been about looking at talent and asking the question around, do we have the right talent to accelerate the growth we have? And also looking at um, the HR spaces for acceleration and asking, what can we bring forward? What can we do faster? How can we do it better? Your your announcement was big news, as I, as I mentioned. Has the fact that, that you've had a lot of coverage and being the first African female promoted to the UK board, do you find that a help or a hindrance? I think, James, both, <laughs> both. Um, I think I help in that it helped me reorient myself to the magnitude of what this meant, not just for me personally, which was something I really wanted and I was really excited to be offered, but also what it meant in terms of for those who are watching and those who are seeing this and what it represents for various people. I thought about the young Kenyan girl um, going into um, university right now to do a HR degree and asking herself, is there opportunities in HR? How will I grow my career? Will I have a great career? What might she read from that? The younger girl going into university to do some of the things I did in university, what might she read from that? Or the broader kind of like um, workforce and what they read from that, either from the way Diageo grows talent, diversity, inclusion, how we move people around. And so for me, um, it was quite daunting to have to live through that publicity because it's not who I am as a person and it's not um, how I sometimes describe myself. But when I look at it from the other side and say, what does this represent for somebody else? What might it mean? What do I then um, stand for in terms of some of the things that I believe personally? Then I got a lot of energy from it. So there's a famous phrase in, in our sort of world, which is what got you here won't get you there. Diversity and inclusion was a huge thing in, in your Kenyan role. And um, if you look at your role now in the UK. What, what are the challenges that excite you? From a personal perspective, this is the first time that I'm actually doing a job outside my uh, my country. I've done roles for the region, East Africa and for Africa, and I've helped um, shape many uh, things that we've done globally as part of the HR community at Diageo and indeed my other roles. But I've never physically had to leave and go and work in a different country. So the first challenge for me is, uh, can I be really great in a different context where I, it's not natural for me to understand the people, the context, the culture, the ways of working. Can I still influence in a different space? Can I still live my purpose and be very connected to the journey and the agenda of different people in a different context? So for me, I find like this, that's a first really big uh, uh, opportunity for me, which is to really embrace this and to do something amazing with it. I think secondly, it's 
on the business side, I think that the fact that the business is in an accelerate phase and it's a very integrated, very complex business. It's exciting in many ways. So first and foremost, even just learning it and understanding it end to end, that's already exciting. But that's more on the personal side. But being able to influence it and being able to influence the outcomes. I sometimes think about two, three years down the road, looking back at what we will have created. That really gives me excitement to know that I'm in a place where there is a very significant strategy, great people to work with, and a great ambition for the business and to be part of that, to co-create it, influence it, and be part of its journey as it evolves. Now, you've told me what excites you, but where do you feel the stretch? Stretch first at a personal level is having not done this before, having not made this kind of a transition before. So there's some sort of a stretch there in terms of really doing it, doing it quickly, and being able to um, not just survive, but also thrive. I think from a business perspective, when you're in a HR role, there's a lot of stuff that's about understanding the people, the culture, the ways of working. There's a lot of stretch in that um, this isn't exactly the business I was in before. It's a different type of business. It's structured a little bit differently. The terms may be the same, but the people are different. The ways of working are different. This market is a very uh, complex market from a retail perspective, but also from a consumer perspective. So I think for me, the stretch is not just being able to land and be able to do a HR job, but to be part of a leadership team that is part of that complexity be able to influence it, help them structure and think about it, add value beyond just the HR perspective. Because I feel strongly, James, that as a HR person and in a leadership team, you're called on to not just do a fantastic HR job, but also to influence significantly the end to end of the running of the business. So I, I consider myself a co-pilot to my general manager. And because of that, I see myself beyond just uh delivering on a HR perspective, but being able to influence a business more generally. And so the stretch comes from the complexity. What is it that makes a great HR leader? If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to test your own readiness for the hot seat, then take the Leadership Readiness Scorecard. Details in the show notes and on swimnotsync.com. I believe a great HR business partner or a great HR gear, head of HR, whichever title you use, is a co-pilot for their general manager. And when I say the word co-pilot, um, I learned that term when I worked at Mars, uh, uh, an experience I, I forever am grateful for, which was to really learn how to sit next to a GM and um, help them navigate the complexities they face on a daily basis. Um, I feel like a general manager can in many ways be a lonely job where you're expected to see the end to end of the business and be able to understand between portfolio, product, supply, um, external environment, the macroeconomics of the environment you're in. So sometimes the end to end of that is really helped if your finance business partner and your HR business partner choose to play a broader role of helping you see and navigate and kind of like fly that plane as your co-pilot. So what I mean by a HR co-pilot who, um, which is an aspiration for me because every day I learn, is um, a person who understands a business end to end, who um, is able to see first and foremost the HR aspects of the business. That's a basic. It's your trade, it's your currency, it's your 
Um, it's uh, kind of like the, the thing that you do on a daily basis, but who every day chooses to stand slightly above that and to see the business end to end and to understand the complexities beyond just what might end up as people. What are the financial implications of what we're doing? What are the structural implications? What are the external ramifications for reputation um, that are we thinking about? What impact does this have for us and our business beyond just today? What is the legacy of this business and this leadership team in the time that it's here? But also, what are we leaving um, as a definitely a strong business for others to follow? So I think for me, a great business partner is one who conceptualizes their role beyond beyond just delivering a great outcome. But don't get me wrong, James, delivering a great outcome is the basic currency for a HRD. And I'd like to just pick up on what you said about that leadership can be a lonely job. Because when I was a GM, when I was at my happiest is when I had a good HR partner. Because apart from being good functionally and taking care of that side, for me, the big edge was that they helped you with your blind spots, frankly, right? I mean, even if you use external coaching, they're not with you all the time, but a HR business partner sees you every day. <laughs> so that was extremely useful always. They were your eyes and ears. They could, you know, gauge the temperature in the office whenever anything happened. And, and I agree with you because how does knowing and understanding the business as a great co-pilot show up? It shows up in great mentoring and great coaching for your GM, for your senior leadership team. Let's talk cultural adaptation. Many people think that coming to London, oh, it's great, it must be easy. They just assume that. But I'm not so sure. And, you know, how much of your day do you, do you spend talking about the weather? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, it, it is amazing when you come from uh, Kenya and, um, uh, you know, and you've got the external uh, weather to kind of like think about, and then you come to a place where the weather kind of shifts significantly. The weather up is probably the one that I hold most dear to me right now to understand um, what's going on. But I think uh, beyond just uh, the weather, there's a lot of things that you really have to think about that don't come naturally for a lot of people when they're thinking about their transition that I've also kind of like reflected on now. Um, it's basics, the basics of uh, an environment that creates for you space and capacity to feel, uh, to fully uh, liberate yourself. The things that you need on a basic level that probably was so, you were so blinded to from where you were coming from, you know, the amount of time you spend on different things and the amount of time you spend on yourself vis-a-vis -vis the amount of time you spend on your children or you spend doing, I mean, there's a lot of things that conceptually I've had to rethink as as, as part of this transition. So it's, it's from the culture to the weather, like you say, but um, there's a lot of levers that you have to think about as part of um, moving into a different country. In some ways, you were HRD, you're still a HRD, different market. Are there things which now in this role that you've stopped doing clearly and started doing? Could you give some examples of that? There are definitely things that I stopped and started doing. I think contextually, uh, James, I was first and foremost four years into my last role. So there were some things which I was probably doing or not doing that had become so 
ingrained in how I do my role, um, which I had to rethink. Um, some of the things that I had to start doing was going back to basics where I had made assumptions. I'll give you a small example. As a HR person, I, I did a reward role or a number of reward roles. So I, I really do love data and analytics and they're always at my fingertips. But I had become so accustomed to them back in Kenya that I never even thought about them. I knew them. I knew things like my overheads and SV ratio. I knew whether it had changed or not and to what percentage it had changed. And it was so intuitive. I knew everything. I, everything came so naturally and so easily to, to an extent that one of the things I had to stop doing was assuming assuming I knew. I had to get more into the detail, ask more questions. I wasn't as questioning before. And when we spoke earlier about um, about the role of a HR person, and I said that, yes, you still have to do your basics. The truth about it is you still have to know basics. And also, it's one of our leadership standards at Diageo. Execution is a very big part of our roles, even as senior leaders. Um, I think I have to start being more aware of my environment. So, um, I had assumed a lot of things, cultural nuances, the way we do and see things. What does this really mean? What does what impact am I having? There's some things that I think I'm more conscious about now. And, and every day is a learning day. I, I learn something every single day. Sometimes I learn it from my children because they are in school and they come back and they'll say something to you. Like uh, I'll make a joke, today's Guy Fawkes. Uh, I, I, I was like, wait, tell me more about this. You know? <laughs> what are you going to do, you know? And you have to read up on it and understand, yeah, because it's not natural and you don't know everything. I mean, I had to learn the, the routines for Halloween because we don't celebrate Halloween. So every single day is a learning moment. And I, I, I treasure all those moments. I try to participate in them fully to make sure that I make this experience fully uh, 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 what it was meant to be. I, I smile at the answer because the first thing you said was, you know, you come from a rewards background and you love the data. And it is it is a tendency of all of us to lean back on what you're strong at, right? It's <laughs> but, but it's good. You you you've moved on to Guy Fawkes, so you're, uh, <laughs> you're you're progressing well. So, as I said at the start, what's unique about you is that you're not just a leader in transition, but a HR leader in transition. You know, if I'm thinking of the audience people who've done transitions and they sometimes will look at, you know, HR is there to help them. So the, the question I guess I have for you is, you know, having gone through it yourself last six months, what have, what have you learned and what would you try and bring differently to the Azure given your experience? There's, there's two parts to that question. There's managing leaders in transition and then there's managing HR leaders in transition. So I'll start with managing transition generally. I think there's some stuff that I've learned, the value of having really well thought out processes. It's difficult to move from one country to another. And I think it's more difficult to move in the context of the, the times we've been living in specifically with the pandemic. Um, being conscious about what does it really take for somebody to move their family, investing in that. And I think that's something that I've really benefited from, that there was investment in managing of that process. And many companies think through that um, and make sure that you land. I think the second thing is once you land, there's a lot of support that's required in terms of understanding the environment that you're in. I think investing in things like cultural coaching, in things like ensuring that you have a very good look and see and understand the lay of the land that you're going to be in, um, ensuring that leaders have like really good coaches and mentors to help them 
uh, through that transition and ensuring that that uh, onboarding is built in the context of transition. Because we build onboarding plans, we constantly build onboarding plans. I think the aspect that we don't build into it is in transition. What does that mean? This person was already flying at, you know, they were at, a, you know, 100 miles per hour. And then they've come back to zero and they have to rebuild that. So there's a confidence bit that needs to be built through that onboarding process and how that's done and ensuring the senior leader is really pivotal in managing that. I hear questions like, are you okay? Let us know when you're okay. But I'm like, I don't know when I'm not okay because I'm also trying to learn. So documenting and, and, and having very good toolkits on what does it take to be successful in transition. I think that's a big thing. Now, as a HR person, that, that's a different layer to everything because we're also expected to know some of these things. So I think for me, a HR lead in transition, you have to take some of that accountability of understanding what does my trade and my tools and my toolkits as a HR leader already give me to know what this change requires and using that body of knowledge to really manage your own transition and take control of it. In whichever context you're in, if you're making a transition, there's a lot of responsibility on you to understand who you are what you're about, what do you need in terms of transition? What is making you anxious? Where can you get help and support and actually take accountability for that? But as a HR practitioner, we also have some tools. And, and that's the really nice thing about HR is that we've spent time understanding what coaching, mentoring, what learning and development, what onboarding looks like. But we have to be more conscious uh, as a, uh, within HR to apply it to ourselves, which is not natural because you're so used to applying it to other people. So I definitely say as a HR person in transition, write an onboarding plan. Based on what transition means for you as a person, plan for it and be demanding of those that need to help you because you're less likely to find another HR person sitting there doing it for you. Let's imagine you're at the next Diageo Global Conference and the CEO comes over to you and says, Edna, I want to understand how you experienced your transition. Is there one thing that the company could have helped you with that wasn't existing at the time? I think, James, that's a very interesting question in the context of the answer that I've just given, which is a lot of tools already exist they just don't exist fashioned and developed for individuals. So what generally would be given to everybody, probably fit for everybody. And I think Diageo does an amazing uh, 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 plan for people moving. But you can never really suit it and tailor it to each individual to make sure each individual's unique experience is addressed. If there was investment possible in creating unique transition experiences, which is, for example, assessments of what transition really means for you. I, I think I mentioned this to you that I'm a firm believer in Fast 90 Days, the book itself, in identifying your transitions, understanding the level of difficulty this will be for you. And that's a lot of investment, but definitely if there was one thing that companies can do better in making these transitions possible and great for people would be to personalize the experience in the context of what the individual would need, what they're anxious about, but also the layers of transition. So let, let, let me just clarify that a little bit more, James. I was doing the first transition at a very senior level. It's, ve it's not very common 
that at, at this would be your fast track. So you have lived abroad, you have done significant um, roles. For most people, by the time they're taking on a leadership team role in a different country, they've probably done some level of uh, uh, transitions of this nature. So that makes my experience quite unique. That's where our personal responsibility comes in. So I think raising awareness on personal responsibility would probably be the thing I tell my CEO that Edna, tell every single person who's moving, they need to understand their own position. They need to understand what it will take to be great and they need to be demanding. That's that's the way I would flip it. I'd say that that coaching around managing transitions, what it really means, the tailor making it for each individual, which means them to come up with what does this plan really entail. I like your answer. And maybe given what I do, of course I would like your answer, but, but I think there's a certain minimum standardized average but beyond that it's this thing about asking and i always encourage people who are doing any sort of a move let's say to ask for whatever it is i want this or i want that because minimum you'll learn by the reaction you know and, and rarely is the cost of it whether it's coaching or something else rarely is it significant relative to the the size of the prize at, at play so yeah i think i think that it's that delicate balance between big companies and standard procedures and the tailoring but the tailoring has to come from the individual requesting absolutely absolutely but, but i mean that said there is a lot around coaching during that period that helps the individual tailor make because if you if if nobody ever mentioned to me this is uh, challenging in this way and this way. I could never have written up a transition management plan that was completely bedded on learning. So there is something there around being conscious about how you're preparing them for the role that helps them manage their own transition. So I think that's where companies can do a lot better in terms of really articulating the challenge that's ahead. Because often the people you're dealing with, they're there because they've been successful up until now. They've been swimmers and it's the first occasion in which they sink is when it's problematic because that's their reflex is not necessarily to put the hand up and ask for something. So we've covered a lot of ground. Are there any remaining thoughts that we haven't covered that you'd like to, you'd like to share related to transitions, your personal experience? I mean, some of the things that come to mind for me, having been in rule for a while is power of reflection is something that you need to carry with you in a transition. The ability to sit back at the end of the day, what did I learn today? What am I not going to do tomorrow? What have I absolutely learned from that experience, that interaction, that train ride, that uh, uh, conversation? You, 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 you really do need to spend a lot of time reflecting because the more you reflect, the more you realize that actually I can do this. Uh, we are stronger than we believe we are. <laughs> so um, I think for me, one of the things that I've realized is all my anxieties that I had coming in around, will I integrate? Will my kids be able to integrate into a different cultural environment? How are they going? My goodness, they were, they were completely swimming before, um, before I knew it. The kids were so ready for it, you know? So I think as an adult, we worry more than we really um, need to a lot less than children. Maybe they have the naivety that helps them uh, navigate that, but we're stronger than we believe that we are. And we need to really just pack that into that gut every day and remind ourselves and reaffirm ourselves of the strength that we have. I think the last one I'm going to say is take the full experience, a natural instinct to 
cut short some of the experiences. You know, I'll, I'll give you one of the, the, the things that was on my mind. Um, I spoke to my mom and my mom was like, just come back home for a few days. It's like, no, there's no shortcut in this experience. I'm going to do a full year. I'm going to experience every single day, every, I'm going to be open to any experiences that come my way and I'm going to enjoy this experience, you know, being open to it and taking it in totality and not trying to cut through some experiences and things. Uh, that one I don't want to deal with, you know, just experiencing everything and just taking it for what it is in totality. So uh, I think that's kind of like my three quick reflections of the last few months. Beautiful. I, I, I like the, the final one uh, about committing. It's true. To be successful in anything, you, you have to commit. And thanks very much for a very upbeat ending <laughs> on, top of a great, on top of a great conversation. Thank you, James. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsink.com forward slash podcast.